Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Business Potential, your business and advisory podcast backed by Video Taranaki. As always, I'm your host, Kelsey, and joined with me, my co-host, Melissa. Hello. And Melissa, how are you today? I'm really good. And here we are once again with part four of our entrepreneur series. And we are joined today by another business owner here in New Plymouth. Mark owns Vinyl Countdown here in New Plymouth. And I'm really excited to hear about his business journey and, and how he got started and set up. So that's what we're going to look at today. So nice. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I hope I've got something interesting to say. We'll soon find out. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Yeah. Okay. We find that everyone's got a bit of a different story. So it's always just hearing those different stories. That's the biggest thing. So what about, first of all, you just tell us about Vinyl Countdown and your business and what you do. Okay. Yeah, we kicked off Vinyl Countdown uh, 11 years ago. Um, we started off pretty small and uh, we sell records, CDs, DVDs, T-shirts, posters, uh, merchandise, stuff like that, secondhand and new. And um, yeah, as I say, we've been building it up quite solidly since uh, what was it, 2011. And uh, now it's, it's getting quite big and our internet presence and website presence is growing all the time too. So now it's a busy place. That surprises me, and we kind of briefly mentioned that before we came on the podcast that you're still selling CDs, you're still selling DVDs. Absolutely, yeah, and surprisingly, CDs make up quite a large part of our sales. Um, I think people have still got CD players in their cars, you know, they buy an old car and it's they can't play um, Spotify or whatever in it, so they buy CDs. And also, CDs sound better than streaming, mm -hmm. um, and vinyl sounds better than CDs, so it depends, you know, what you like to listen to. Um, if you're after something quick and easy, Spotify and streaming is fine. If you want to hear music a little bit better, you buy a CD. And people still like to have something that they can hold and look at and read the lyrics and look at the artwork and those things. I mean, it's hard to get a stream autographed, isn't it? Um, and, you know, uh, even young kids now are still buying CDs. I get people buying Harry Styles and, um, you know, all those things. And they just like to have it in their collection. They get that, that uh, joy of collecting something rather than just having it on a phone. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely like remember that feeling and it, it kind of, you just saying that kind of makes me go, oh yeah, that, that was the joy of that when we were younger and I think we have been spoiled of, of streaming and having it right there that we don't appreciate mm. that as much as we used to when that was the way to get music. Just to save up all your pocket money, oh, yeah. buy the next now CD. And, oh, yeah. I th <laughs> and I think that's why the business keeps ticking along because people like to to build the collection. Like they like to come in every week and see what's new, and they might be collecting a specific artist, and they want to get the next one, or they want to try and find one they haven't been able to find for ten years. So it's all part of it. Before we get stuck in, I just wanted to throw in our usual disclaimer that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is no substitute for tailored advice specific to your particular circumstances. If you do need advice, make sure to touch base with your usual advisor or touch base with us, melancal at bdo.co.nz. So what what started your passion in in selling records and CDs? Um, I've been into music as long as I can remember. I'm a, probably earliest memory is playing records on my parents' stereo when I was about four or five. Um, taught myself the drums when I was about fourteen, and I, so I played in bands all my life and 
always sort of worked in this industry. Like I started an independent record shop in Tiamuti where I grew up, and then it's the warehouse, and it was Sounds back in Hamilton. Then it was Real Groovy Auckland, and it was Real Groovy Wellington. I, I even went over my OE. I was packing CDs and records in the Warner Brothers warehouse in London, and then here. Uh, this has been the next step for the last 11 years so but this has been a bit different because I've actually owned the shop myself which I did at the end of Real Groovy Wellington too but I mean this has been our own creation so it's been pretty cool. Yeah do you feel like you just feel more of a like pull to it when it is yours and you yeah. own it and there's a yeah. bit more you can make skin changes. in the game. Yeah you can make changes you can decide what products you want to stock and and also if you make mistakes you've got to own them and get on with it. And, you know, change what you're doing, and um, yeah, we'll see. we were talking just before about Real Groovy Wellington. That was, I was there for ten years from '99 to well, 2008. We took it over, so I was managing it for the first ten years, and then the parent company in Auckland went into receivership, and they offered all the branches to the managers, which was Christchurch, Dunedin, Wellington, and I did some due diligence and all that stuff, and decided to. To buy it mm -hmm. um, and that was 2008 and it was a pretty steep learning curve because going from managing to owning is quite a jump all of a sudden you've got to pay all the bills and you've got 16 staff on the payroll and you've got a rent that's i don't want to tell you how much that was at the top of cuba street in wellington and then jb hi-fi opened the same month mm -hmm. then the global financial crisis was announced a day after we bought it yeah. So all these things happen at once, and then I so I spent the next two years trying to keep out of the hole and just keep everything floating and getting an extension on my overdraft and all those things. And then it just reached the point where we thought we can't keep doing this, and that's when we decided to sell it up. But you never quite make as much as you think you're going to to try and pay back the bank. That's right. So yeah, it was it was a tricky time, but I look back on that now as a really uh, expensive business course. Yeah. You know? Yep. And uh, and after that, um, when we closed that down and shifted up here, that's when, I mean, I had all the fit, fixtures and fittings from Real Groovy in storage here because no one really wants a record shop fixtures and fittings at that stage. So yeah. we just put them into storage and um, decided that maybe one day I'll do it again or try it again. And then uh, I bought a couple of pallets or pallet of records from America and they turned up here and I thought I can always sit at home and do something well, figure out what I'm going to do. And then they had a record fair here and I thought I'll take some there, see if there's a market. Yeah. And it was quite a good day. So I thought, well, okay, we'll see what's available for rent and off we went. Mm. Mm. So what brought you up to New Plymouth then from Wellington? Well, my mum lived here. So when we had to sell everything up, we didn't really have a lot coming yep. so we thought well we'll come up here and they were very kind and offered us a place and, and helped us hugely so that got us on our feet and then we could sort of look around and decide what we're going to do and to be honest all I've ever done is worked in the music industry and selling records and I thought well maybe I'll try it here but I knew that a few shops had sort of come and gone here and it was a bit of a risk you yeah. know and uh, especially with the music industry, the way it was with downloads taking over and people starting to stream. And, but just after we opened, there was a bit of a, a huge lot of media about vinyl making a comeback. And mm. it must be every day someone says, oh, I hear vinyl's making a comeback. And I go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so it's, it, 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 was a good, it was actually good timing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And being in a town like this, the rent was affordable and uh, there were lots of advantages to it. 
Mm. So you started a lot smaller though down here because you said you had something like 16 staff down in Wellington, mm. whereas up here you're not quite at that. It's just me. Well, I've got a couple of guys who work on the weekend. They're really good. They come and sell on the weekend. But during the week, it's pretty much, it's just me processing stock, ordering everything, advertising, serving people, taking special orders, answering the phone. I mean, people come and say to me, I must be cool sitting in here listening to records all day. And I just go, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, anyone who's got their own business knows how hard it is. Yeah. But business like that, when you've got all that happening, and there's like 18,000 different product lines in there that you're trying to keep a handle on yeah. and run a website. And, yeah, it's busy. It's hard work. It really is. And it's lots of after-hours work. And, uh, you know, the, and the way the website's going, it's a lot of packing up orders and stuff. Mm, that's one thing we had heard is that do you think that with COVID you've been able to embrace more of the online sales rather than just foot traffic as well? Absolutely. Well, people didn't have an option for during lockdown, so they had to learn how to shop online and um, our website certainly took a jump at that stage. Fortunately, we, we just upgraded the website um, not too long before that, so it was easier to navigate around and it wasn't crashing as much as it was. It was really bad prior to that. Um, so yeah, we did notice a huge upswing um, during the COVID period, and it's sort of once people got in those habits, they just kept doing it. Mm. Mm. And do you find that that push to online over COVID has given you a wider market that you're not that you're seeing a lot of people from outside of New Plymouth, or is it? Oh yeah, I mean there, there were always people from outside New Plymouth, but every day that these packages are going to Invercargill and Christchurch and Wellington and far north and. Australia, all around the world, because I also sell on online platforms. The more sort of harder to find items, I think I might as well put them out to people who are willing to pay a bit more for them. And I'm often sending stuff to Germany or Japan or Australia, wherever. So, yeah, it's all over the place. And I think vinyl CDs, it is kind of that collector's market, as you say. Mm. So there are always people that are looking for that elusive copy of absolutely something so yeah i think it's a i mean even cds there's some cds out there that are worth quite a bit of money i'm always when i'm in other towns digging through op shops because i know certain titles i'm looking for that i know are worth 300 dollars that people will buy because you know they're, they're an artist that that people think are relatively common here but overseas you know they're a huge superstar <laughs> or yeah. or it's a pressing that says new zealand on it which that's the one thing they want They've got every, everything else. So those sort of things. That's really exciting, actually. How do you determine pricing for something like that? Because it's not something that you can go into a stock item and be like, that's how much that's worth. Well, for new stuff, it's easy because you just base it on what they charge me. But second-hand-wise, I have to troll through websites and, and you know see what sales histories are like. And, and even, even standard things that I used to just put out for, say, $10 or $15, I check them all now because... Online, that thing could be a New Zealand pressing that people are willing to pay $100 for that that we see all the time, but people don't realise that it's actually worth something to a collector in Germany or something. Mm. Mm. So it's a lot of work. So, you know, every single thing I process secondhand, I'm checking. And so you get these surprises from time to time that you think, wow, I can't believe that was worth 50 bucks and I've just sold a whole lot for five over the last <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> And I think it's probably a little bit the fact that you've been in the industry, in the selling, and in the involved in the pressing when you were overseas, mm. um, that you kind of have a little bit of that experience to know to look for those things. Mm. Whereas somebody new, 
somebody if somebody was to set up a business similar to yours they wouldn't have all of that experience so well, it takes a while to get it that's for sure i mean i can look through a, a box of records and filter it out pretty quickly you know these days and that happens every day someone brings in a box of stuff and you know you've got to be pretty quick to figure and then not only do you have to figure out what the title's like whether it's any good you've got to then look at the condition of it because it's, it could be the most valuable record in the world but if there's a gouge through it it's never mm. going to play no one wants it or it gets very finicky like with classical records if it makes a tiny tick or a hum they don't want it because on their hundred thousand dollar stereo that's going to make a big noise mm. and and if the cover's got a tear in it or if someone's written their name and pen on the label all those things mm. Since you've been a new plumber, has there been any points in which it's been too hard and you've just been like, this isn't worth it, I should just do something else? Probably around five or six years ago, it was quite tough. There was a bit of a downturn. There were people getting laid off in the oil and gas industry and everything was slowing down a bit. And it got pretty hard then. I don't quite know what happened. But at that stage, I had um, a staff member who was with me for five days of the week and I just... We both knew that uh, it was getting too tough, and so we cut the hours down, and he ended up leaving, which was a real shame. But um, So we had to sort of tighten it up there, and then um, fortunately after that, we decided to, well, I decided to upgrade my website, which was a, I used a company in town called About Image, and they just changed the way it looked and changed the way it functioned, and people found it a lot easier to use. But unfortunately, I was still... Was still hosted by a company overseas and it was always crashing and slowing down and, and it was on a shared server that made everything slow so the next change was to i got a company called moxwire here in town who have now they now host it so it's heaps faster and more reliable um so that was a big change the website um, the other thing that I, I changed after that stage was i thought we've got to do something about our pricing because you're up against these big boys JB Hi-Fi used to be the warehouse stuff, now stopped, but trade me, you know, this Facebook marketplace, you're up against all these things, you know, you've got to be in the game. So I had a good chat with Ryan, Stockman from here, he's my accountant, and we, we went through a whole lot of numbers, and I was thinking, you know, if we've got this item, say, Amy Winehouse, uh, back to black, I sell it once a month at this price, what about if I'd made it this price, how many would I need to sell to make the same amount, or more, or what if I made it this price? I need to sell five. You know, how could we make that happen? Because I think if you've got a decent price, you get a good reputation. Mm -hmm. And um, but you have to sell more. So mm. we decided to take the leap and do that, and that's paid off quite well because we've got the cheapest prices I think in the country for new records and CDs now. Mm. Um, and people know that and they talk about it online and whatever, and they just keep coming back. And the other thing I thought we got to get people want their stuff as fast as they can so as soon as an order comes in i stop what i'm doing i go and get it print the label it's packaged and it's gone that day and most of the time they have it the next day so mm -hmm. that uh for people is really important and it, we get a good reputation for that but it's that also means a lot of work so i quite often get emails with people who've ordered something at 4 30 in the afternoon i've got it packaged by 4 40 and they've got it by half past eight the next morning, and wow. they can't believe it. Mm. And they're in at Auckland or Wellington. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's good. And it's one of those things of you know you're in a customer service kind of industry, 
that that's something that you have to prioritize mm. because your reputation and the business is everything. Mm. If there's one person online who decides that they're going to be a keyboard warrior <laughs> and have an issue, then you know that could be can backfire. Yeah. So yeah, putting that energy in in the right places and and that kind of business is is really important. So, like, what do you reckon would be your biggest piece of advice that you would give to people, whether they're new into business, whether they're 20 years in and thinking, look, this isn't working, we need to change things? What do you think's been the keys to that success? Um, I just think having getting some advice from others, let it, listening to what they have to say about your business and not being too proud to think, oh, I should change that. Um, a lot of people out there, I mean, one of the f- things that, that changed the way I thought about things is when I first took over Real Groovy in Wellington. I'm a big rugby league fan and uh, a big Warriors fan. And I and Peter Leach, the mad butcher, was running a show on TV about um, mentoring businesses. Mm-hmm. So I emailed the guy and said, "Look, I'm a big Warriors fan. I thought that'll give me a that'll give me a head start." Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he said uh, he emailed me back. Next thing, my phone rang, and it was him. And he goes, I'm there on Tuesday, man. I'm coming in. And I was like, oh, okay. And I've just taken over this thing, right? And so he turned up, and he just, he just, he was relentless. He, he first thing he said was, "What, how's it going, mate? What's your best deal in here? I said, oh, it's probably those cheap DVDs, actually. And he goes, well, how the, what do I know that's standing here? Yeah. And I realised I didn't have any signage. Mm. So that was my introduction and he spent three hours no no a couple of hours talking to me which would have normally cost me probably five thousand dollars or something mm. he went through the whole place and said that concrete down there paint that that over there that over there it looks like crap and from then on he's kept in touch like he called me last week you know just yeah. how's things going you know and having a chat and, and he's been in, into the shop and tussed it out and he was one of the first people to send me a message when everything went Pear-shaped in Wellington. So, yeah, people like that, you've got to listen to them. They've yeah. done it before. He's done it. He's made a successful business. He's then turned it into all these different things. So, mm. yeah, taking that key advice and getting some external people is important, mm. eh? For sure. And that's an amazing mentor that you managed to find as well. <laughs> yeah, like well just, just... just taking a risk of sending an email and, mm. and it turned into a great mentorship and somebody who's come yeah. along on this journey with you. Yeah, he's never... Yeah, I've never forgotten it, and he, he sort of, as I say, he, he was pretty blunt with uh, what he had to say, but he'd also tell you when things were looking good, and he, he's also a big Elvis fan, so he, he bought quite a bit of Elvis that day, and then I put him onto the Elvis Museum in Harbour, and he's been in there, and yeah, so he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. That's really exciting to meet all these different people through business, and mm. also just yeah, learn from what they've got to show. Mm. I think with a business like that, you do meet a lot of interesting people, like people that uh, you normally would never be in contact with, and they're, they're in your shop or you know, in real groovy days. Like we used to have people like the Beastie Boys come in, and we had all the Lord of the Rings cast in there, and it's that sort of industry. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's really cool. So, looking forward for your business and going forward, what are your goals? Do you have any things that you want to achieve, or where you want your business to go? Um. My accountant tells me I've got to get my stock level down, so I've got to, I've got to do that. 
But, um, yeah, I, I do have to do that, to be honest. It keeps climbing. But, but year on year, the place has grown and mm-hmm. the sales have grown. Um, I've got to make a priority in my website, I think, because long term, that's where it's going to be at, I think. Um, although a shop like yours, people like to dig. They like mm. to buy things they didn't even know they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, focusing on the website, trimming the stock down and maybe... Um, just diversifying to some different products. I mean, CDs, they're going well now. I don't know how well they're going to go in the next five years, but they're still there for now. I'm surprised that they're still going, but mm-hmm. they are. It's whether companies still keep making them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've just got a, it's like the old video cassettes. You can't buy one of those anymore. But surprisingly, even tapes are getting made again now. So, yeah. It's, it's, That's it's, the one that baffles me. Yeah. yeah. How do you even play it? it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a strange time, but... Uh, I think we've still got some growth to do, and, and uh, certainly that place and that's bulging with stock out the back there. There's fifteen thousand secondhand unprocessed LPs, so I've always got lots to do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so that's why everyone's coming in every single week because they're waiting for you to finally get it out <laughs> yeah. of the back. Well, it takes me about three or four hours to, to properly do one crate of records, and you know, there's probably I don't know hundred crates worth out there, maybe more. So it's a lot of work, and it's always coming in. So, must feel nice to see the familiar faces as well. Mm. Feel mm. like you build a bit of a relationship with your clients rather than just a one-off transaction. Yeah, well, it's definitely that sort of shop. You know, it, 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 people are in there all the time, and, and regulars come in sometimes every day, definitely every weekend. And uh, yeah, you do see the same people all the time, and it's a sort of business too where you're not just selling stuff; you're talking to them about. What they've been doing, or they might have some bloody personal problems. You end up being a psychologist or a marriage <laughs> counsellor, or all these things, all in one day. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting place to be. That's really exciting. Now, thank you a lot for coming in and spending some time with us this morning. I know it's taking out from where you could be processing <laughs> some cool. records. No, that's fine. No, I'll get back to it soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unlocking Business Potential. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to head along to your favorite podcast app and like, rate and subscribe so that you can receive notifications on when the next episodes are released. And if you do have any questions for either myself or Melissa or are in need of tailored advice, please do not hesitate to contact us at melinkel at bdo.co.nz. And we look forward to joining you next time on Unlocking Business Potential, your business and advisory podcast backed by BDO Taranaki.